0: Doc Norton once tweeted, if you hire the best and a year later, they are not meeting expectations. Wouldn't you wonder what did we do to them? The question what motivates an individual to perform their best has been asked since the days of scientific management and the answer has evolved over many years. The applications of research in this area spans from the fields of education to game designing. And it is needless to say that an organization that has motivated people has better products and services and much happier shareholders. So to discuss this further, joining me today is Priya Kher. She is the director of Collective Quest, a psychologist and an executive coach who has been supporting organizations to develop their people capabilities since more than 20 years. So welcome everyone as we deep dive into the wonderful world of a motivated workforce. I am your host, Vishal Prasad, and this is Enterprise Joy, educating organizations to be
1: awesome.
0: And welcome Priya, how have you been doing during this pandemic?
2: Uh, thanks so much, Vishal. And uh, thanks for having me on this. My pleasure. Um, I've been good. We, I think we've all been uh, managing quite effectively after that initial first few weeks of being completely thrown off our game. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I've been good. And work has been good too.
0: Right. How are you managing your your setup right now? With, I mean, considering that you... Do a lot of executive coaching and training. How does it get managed uh, with this new setup?
2: Yes. Uh, initially, it was that first thought was, "What do I do now that we are not, uh, you know, able to uh, be face to face with anyone?" But I think it was a very quick transition to uh, converting all our training to virtualized sessions. Uh, the coaching has moved to virtual uh, sessions. One of the things we try and do is make sure that uh, we, as far as possible, have this face-to-face connect, the way you and I are connected right mm-hmm. now. So, uh, you know, with videos on, does make a, a lot of difference. Um, and we also found that actually, uh, I think one of the things I have been most amazed by uh, is how resilient everyone has been in their own ways, how yeah. everyone has, you know, kind of risen to this challenge adapted so rapidly things that we just talked about earlier you know learning agility mental agility Uh, we've just put it into action and we are seeing it from everyone so uh, the clients participants have all been game to go with the virtual sessions Uh, we've been able to recreate and still make it interactive
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, we've also created a digital learning platform so in these two months that was also something that i had uh uh, you know, like you said in your post, I had passed on the side and said, "This is something that I will do someday when I have time." And so, uh-huh. over these two months, we've been. My team has been really creative, and we have now our own digital learning platform.
0: So nice. So th- there was this post on. It. There was this post on WhatsApp recently, right? What led to the digital transformation of your organization? Was it the leadership, <laughs> the people, or the pandemic? And <laughs> most of the people. The said pandemic. pandemic. <laughs> yeah. It's the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah which one do you prefer though doing things online or doing things in person and i ask this only because i know a few people who are like really really happy with this setup i'm not one of them but i i, ha- mm-hmm. I do know people who are how do you take it do you prefer this one or some or like the the old ways i'm calling it the old uh,
2: ways yeah it seems like the old ways it, it seems yeah. like it's going to be a long time before it, it even comes back if it does at all
0: yeah
2: um I think there are pros and cons. I'm, I'm quite comfortable uh, working in my own space and working from home, uh, immersing myself in my learning. So I, I don't uh, miss getting out for that. But uh, definitely when I'm in the training sessions, uh, I miss a little bit of that one-on-one connect that, you know, when you start having some observation of someone, you want to have a conversation one-on-one, you want to help someone deepen some insight. Uh, those are the things I'm missing,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but on, I mean, on the brighter side, I was pleased to find that it was far more effective than I thought it would be. Yeah, uh, yeah. because it, uh, we were able to be creative and find ways to have still have breakout rooms, group discussions, activities. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: but I miss that one-on-one conversations to help someone yeah. just get a little bit more out of the session. I mean,
0: so you were saying that that people basically are. <clears throat> I found that people have become a little less rude uh with with a lot of things so they when they kind of empathize a lot more now because they know the yes. the kind of situation that we are going through and that, yeah. that's yeah. that transition has been pretty uh, yeah. pretty new for me in in a lot of cases so not yeah. to say that all of my clients are rude <laughs> but there, yeah. then there are, <laughs> uh, there are certain times when you have had interactions with certain people which are not very yeah. different. And, and those kind yeah. of things are like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice, refreshing kind of a taste. Yeah.
2: Okay. You know, it's interesting you say that. We used to say uh, that a common ground is the first thing you try and establish in order to have effective relationships.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: And I think this has brought that to us. You just all tied together with this common experience, <laughs> common challenge. Yeah.
0: Oh. But yeah, so keeping that in mind, since you mentioned that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that you're not missing with, let's say, the learning and everything. So Mm -hmm. with the theme today, uh, the first question I have, excuse me, is uh, uh, what motivates you as an individual? And uh, it'll be nice if you can like share one of your stories, which have been driven because of an intrinsic motivation. That'll be a nice place to start.
2: Yeah, I I like that you have, uh, I like that you say intrinsic motivation as a given. um, (laughs) Because yes, it's definitely intrinsic motivation. And that's a really nice question to start with. Um, I think what I've found over the years is uh, um, a common theme I can say of what motivates me is uh, learning. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And uh, learning. I mean, learning has become the medium, but learning as in helping people use their learning to gain more insight, either into themselves or something around them and do something better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think what really drives me and what gives me my kick out of my work, energizes me is when I find that I've been able to create some learning experience that made a difference um, for for the people that I conducted it for. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, at the same time, uh, that drives me to learn more myself. I, I, I enjoy that a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I think it's driven by the fact that if I can use my learning to create some kind of insight, self-awareness, some shift, uh, help people make a difference. Uh, in terms of uh, stories, I think uh, every now and then I have those experiences that uh, kind of validate and give you that sense of uh, satisfaction with the work you do. Um, when I have, so, so for uh, almost seven years of my initial uh, career, I was uh, uh, a professor at SMHRD, the mm-hmm. center for management. So I taught, taught organizational behavior to a bunch of young people who were probably wondering, well, oh, here's another subject and we have to find out about psychology and a lot of them were engineers by background. Um, But it's always really gratifying when once in a while I'll get either a message or someone will post on LinkedIn that, you know, we learned OB in our college years and now I see the relevance or I still remember this concept that I'm using now. Uh, Even in, in training, every now and then you come across a participant who's been part of a training program and, you know, you meet them somewhere in the corridor in the company and they say, you know, that one thing that I worked on and I found it made a difference and now I'm doing this better. And that's my sense of,
0: uh, yeah, this is why I do what I do. I mean, I I remember OB as well. So I don't remember everything that I learned in college. Uh, I do remember a few Mm -hmm. things like theory X, theory Y. I remember that. I also remember type A and type B. But I'm pretty sure I'll make some mistakes when I I, uh, speak about those things. (laughs) But yeah, since you mentioned that uh, you find people... uh, sometimes in the corridor and they'll say that hey they, they learn something and that's refreshing
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's actually one of my stories as well so the story of actually coming up with this podcast comes from there and mm-hmm. I, I did blog about it uh, uh last week or two weeks back so yeah. th- the the thing with enterprise joy is i've had this domain for some time now and uh Mm. the intention always was that hey i'll do something with it and the idea was mm. always about education uh, and then last year uh, when you conducted a training for us and i attended that you made us mm. do the uh the holland codes activity the card sorting activity which was around uh, yeah. how do you align your strengths with your motivations yeah. and that was the time which was like a game changer for me because after that activity i did realize what uh, what i was missing so i was like i was i became very silent and i remember you coming and asking me uh, just after lunch as to why am i so silent mm. and the only thing that was going in my mind that that time was that uh, there are things that i like doing uh, like something mm. that motivates me but i don't mm. get to do all of that In the organization. And that's probably the reason why I was doing professional training at that time and uh, a a year before Mm -hmm. that. And it it just clicked that, hey, maybe I do this because it motivates me. And then the idea of going into this uh, teaching uh, mode uh, as much as possible has been on my mind since the past, well, since that training, obviously. And The pandemic just happened. And then the best possible Mm -hmm. thing that I could think of was a podcast because it's one thing that's accessible to everyone, almost accessible if you're interested in hearing. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's a good way for me to teach. So uh, we have Enterprise Joy podcast now, which is uh, just teaching organizations these things which can make uh, the work life of their people a more satisfying experience. So, yeah, my story actually aligns to you. I should say thank you.
2: That that's that's an amazing story. Yeah. yeah, and and thanks for sharing that. And and I remember reading uh, on uh, reading your post on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, and then replying yeah. uh, to you yeah. because again that that aligns with what motivates me is to say hey, <laughs> that made a difference uh, to you, uh, and I, I do remember that so clearly because uh, when everyone kind of got up for the break, you were still sort of sitting at your table, and you had to <laughs> look up, at my
1: cards,
2: you know yeah you were just in just paused in front of those cards and you were just glancing down and I remember coming up to you to say so you know you're in deep thought and then you shared that and you say, yeah I'm discovering that uh what motivates me is not what I'm spending a lot of time on
1: yeah.
2: and I'm, I'm I I, think it's it's super that you were able to take that insight so deeply and make uh, that shift you <laughs> know and uh if this is the outcome of that, then that's that's even more that. This, this is for sure the that.
0: outcome of that. So, And that's why I, I should thank you Amazing. for being here. And I, I do remember, so that night when I came back and I mailed you to send me the details of the yeah. activities and then you sent me the details of yeah. uh, Holland Codes and the Riasick and everything. Hmm. Uh, but when hmm. I did that activity the second time, I took like real examples that fit my context.
1: Hmm. And
0: the answer was still the same. And I was like, okay, I've done this twice. Maybe there is something to do.
1: Yes. So
0: yeah, that that was amazing. But yeah, so since since we are on this topic, why why don't you uh, like just for our listeners explain a little bit about what Holland codes are?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so it's it's something that came up as a theory of personality somewhere in the 1970s. John Holland, uh, the, the gentleman, uh, the psychologist, actually credited with this in the 1970s. Uh, created this model saying that there are six types of uh, preferences that we have. Uh, and uh, R, uh, R-I-A-S-E-C is often the short form that we use for that. RASIC is, is the way we refer to it. Um, and he said that there are people are for realistic. Uh, Realistic, as in the people who are uh, practical, hands-on, they have interests and preferences for things like, you know, uh, working manually on something, being outdoors, um, working with mechanical things. Um, Investigative, so I, for investigative, um, these are the people who are the thinkers, some things uh, like going deep into why why things work the way they do, scientific inquiry, being more analytical—that's what drives them. Uh, the A is artistic. These are the creative people. So the creative people with interest in you know anything which is which is innovative, creative. It can be actual art. It can be um, being able to uh, use design to create a new product. That's what drives them. Um, S is for social. These are the helpers. So social, because what what inspires them, what drives them, is uh, being able to work with other people in a way that is supportive, that is helpful, Um, you know, counseling, helping people grow. Those are the things that are their motivators. Uh, E is for enterprising. These are the persuasive people. What drives them is to be able to influence, persuade, lead. Mm -hmm. Uh, be able to take people in a certain direction in the way they want to and the c is for uh, conventional Mm -hmm. conventional are uh, people who are uh, you can say organizers you know they are motivated by being able to put things into place um, systems processes um, putting things in order that's what drives them so Mm -hmm. uh, when he when he created it as as a sort of a model of personality it also linked very well with uh, uh career guidance career development so it's often called you know the theory of uh, of career uh, uh types because it gives us an idea if these are if these are my interests you can link them to the kinds of professions or careers we can go into um and and mm-hmm. so this holland's model is very well used for uh helping people gain insight into matching their interests with uh where they should be spending a lot of time in their work
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, I think the, I think the card sort activity that we created, of course, so so we use this as as a foundation, and mm-hmm. we created statements around each one of these, and uh, I'm sure you remember them. So there's a whole pack of cards yeah, yeah, yeah. each person got, uh, but we made you sort them on on two sets of parameters, and that actually gives yeah. you a, a, a you know those quadrants that are very meaningful.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So knowing what interests me is one part. So we, we, you know, uh, you. I think initially you sort them out by saying, this is what I really enjoy. This is what I am okay with. This is what I prefer not to spend my time on. So in mm. those ranges, you sort out the cards. But then you also look at uh, how competent am I on each one of them.
1: Mm. So
2: you further sorted out your cards, you know, if you can say like a vertical X and then a Y, you sorted them yeah. out as um, what am I very competent at? Uh, what am I? you know proficient or learning and what? where do I lack the skills mm-hmm. and I think the real aha for people is when you are able to see your cards laid out in that format and then you begin to see four clear blocks so the first block that is most meaningful is here are the things that I really enjoy and I'm very good at
1: mm-hmm.
2: and if ideally we find a match there those are our motivators yeah, since since our topic is on motivation and this is how Holland yeah. ties in very, very nicely with knowing um, these are my motivators or maybe a lack of this is what gives me dissatisfaction also. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
2: if I can identify what I really enjoy but maybe I lack the skills that still gives me some idea of these are my development areas
1: mm-hmm.
2: because I really enjoy it maybe I lack the skills this is what I want to learn more I want to be able to do more of it and then if i learn it it would move into the motivators uh, quadrant
1: mm-hmm.
2: um in 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 the third quadrant would be what we would call burnout skills
1: mm-hmm.
2: these are our clues of why i'm mm-hmm. restless in a job or um you know maybe even want to leave or or i'm looking for change because here is where i am very good at it but i prefer not to use those skills i don't yeah. enjoy it at all yeah and I can relate that very uh, clearly with some of the you know decisions I've made in my own career where at some point I said, okay, this is where I need a shift because I'm doing this very well, but it doesn't drive me. you know. Uh, and then the fourth final quadrant is unimportant. I'm neither good at it. I lack the skills and nor do I enjoy it. So mm-hmm. We can disregard cards that come into that. And that's how we used Holland's to create that card. Also. Right.
0: I mean, the burnout thing I can completely relate to. I have been there. And yeah, it's it's not a nice situation to be in. But but the amazing thing about this exercise was, so whenever we speak about strengths and weaknesses, as in at least Mm -hmm. when I've spoken in the past, and Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm speaking with someone, the usual first point is that, hey, you're good at this, so this is your strength, but here is the other thing Mm -hmm. that's your weakness, and you're supposed to still do that. So why don't you Mm -hmm. work on it so that your weakness improves, uh, improves, as in weakness becomes a strength. But that's mm. not the thing. The thing that uh, that you made us do was that you have your strengths and there are there's these uh, few things that you really enjoy doing. So you build on top of it. Mm. That was, again, the second thing that was new for me. Because here I was not hearing that, hey, you should like work on your weakness. It was to say that you should do more of your strengths. And yeah. at least... I, i haven't seen a lot of that happening in a lot of uh, my previous organizations and uh, a lot of the teams i have worked with so that was itself new for me and yeah that that exercise was
1: a game changer for me i, I can still say that yeah but so but yeah, the, the basic... good
2: now ahead. that 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 approach to trying to find that sweet spot for ourselves in our work uh, if if we are aware of that, or as closely as possible, we are able to match that, um, uh, is what would create meaningful work or allow us to be more motivated. If we could find those um, behaviors that are I enjoy and I'm good at, mm-hmm. that would be the ideal.
0: That'll be the ultimate motivation.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But do these change over time, or are these like fixed for individuals?
2: um uh, i think they do change over time so while it was created as a, almost like a personality theory that we are that type or th- those are the things that we are uh, interested in um possibly uh, being overdoing something so mm-hmm. you you could you could convert a strength into a burnout area if mm-hmm. you were overdoing something that you are good at and then you begin to find that it it loses its uh, you know, ability to bring joy, you are no longer that interested in it. Right. Uh, and yet you are spending most of your time in it. So, hmm. in that way, I think it shifts. I think our preferences don't shift that drastically, but how much I enjoy it would depend on what my environment is bringing to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, right. so, so you the know, with the
2: burnout.
0: Your personalities yeah. will more or less be the same, but your usage may yes. decide how motivated you are. Yes,
2: okay. exactly. That makes sense.
0: Okay, but but the RASIC thing. So I do know that it's hmm. uh, it's used extensively by uh, the U.S. Hmm. Department of Labor. It's used. Uh, I mean, at least there is a page um, hmm. on the, the on the courier's website of the New Zealand government, and I know that there hmm. there is a certain level of uh, usage of RACIC. Uh hmm. What I do want to understand is in in your experience, like, uh, and keeping my bias aside i was affected by mm. this in a big way mm. but in your mm. experience how how well have you seen this work with individuals
2: mm. i think it's a good uh, starting point for people who want to get more clarity on where they need to focus their interests or their, or their attention rather than in, in their career um mm. it's a very popular model it's it's you know easy to understand and then it's been adapted a lot so it's a popular model but um Especially for young people who are starting out their careers to have more insight into, you know, choosing majors or deciding what kind of um, area they need to go into, I think it's a very useful model. Um, But uh, just going by that is not enough. Being able to understand again uh, if it's my strength uh, or it's my area of interest, how much time am I spending on it, and uh, seeing that link between enjoyment and skill
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is what that motivator area is is also important mm-hmm.
1: um,
2: one of, one of the tools that i prefer because it's it's um, quite comprehensive is the strong interest inventory
1: strong, so interest, the strong
2: inventory. interest yeah the strong mm-hmm. interest inventory um is, is something that was adapted using the holland's model mm-hmm. but it uh, it combines uh, an assessment of your interests. So a lot of questions on your interests Uh, Mapped to the Holland Six Codes, and then gives you some kind of uh, indication of what careers you are best suited for.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So interest, ability, and career match Mm -hmm. would be uh, an effective way to use this.
0: And do like universities usually use this, or can they They use use
2: some form of this? Yeah, universities use it. um, College guidance um kind of counselors use it mm-hmm. um some form of it
1: mm-hmm. but
2: it's one of the most popular ones using holland There's a lot okay. of online uh assessments you can do i mean you can go online and, yeah. and take the basic self-assessment for yourself but so i don't I know do how valid have, or reliable they are
0: no i, I do have one so the, so the u.s department of labor they have their website on which they hmm. uh hmm. they have this uh profiler that you can create for yourself so i tried it out okay, <clears throat> uh, okay. i haven't seen the results uh, but yeah, for for the listeners, I will uh, leave out a, a link in the description so you can also try it out. So they have their own way of going through 28 questions, if I'm not wrong, and then they basically give you where do you fit in the Rasic. And okay, then the website actually has a lot of job listings. So I think that's a way for them to link the two.
1: Hmm.
0: But yeah. Hmm. Uh, so the the idea of knowing your personality and linking yourself with a similar kind of a career will motivate you more towards it. That's, that's the idea that goes around it, right?
2: Right. That's the idea. If I can, if I can combine what I am good at or my mm. area of interest is, if I can combine both of that. So mm. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, if I were to take a simple basic assessment, I might come out high on conventional. Mm-hmm. Putting things in order, organizing, um, you know, administrative processes, systems. Uh, I might, I might score high on that,
1: mm-hmm. but I
2: also need a, a tool that that gives me an understanding of how much do I enjoy. That's my right. burnout skill.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's what I discovered over time is my burnout skill. So I, I cannot uh, be in a job where I am solely doing that, and or that's the primary area, um, because that's not something very joyful for me. So that (laughs) people need to to be able to make sure that they not only understand what they're good at, but do they enjoy it. Yeah.
0: So not only what they are good at, but they enjoy as well. Let's keep that as a mantra for this segment and we take a short break. And then when we come back, we discuss a bit more about motivating your workforce. Okay. Cool. And listeners, stay tuned. If you like what you're hearing, then do subscribe to this podcast for more of Enterprise Joy. You can get a complete list of platforms where this podcast is available on anchor.fm enterprisejoy or on our website enterprisejoy.com. Folks who prefer more visual content can save the Enterprise Joy podcast playlist on YouTube. And you can also support this podcast by becoming a patron on patreon.com enterprisejoy. We are happy to bring great content for you that can help you and your organization be more awesome. Here's more of Enterprise Joy coming your way. Okay, welcome back. I'm in conversation with Priya Kher, and we have been discussing about motivations. And to that, Priya, I do have a very basic question for you. And I kind of know the answer for this, but I would like to know the psychologist's opinion about how how this works, okay? So I uh, I know a little bit about the Maslow's hierarchy. So mm-hmm. just for my reference, uh, there are five levels of the hierarchy. The first one starts off with the physiological needs. The second is safety needs. Then you have uh, a sense of belongingness and love needs. Then you have the esteem needs. And finally, the self-actualization needs. Okay. And the, the question I have is... Uh, The first two levels, which more or less we can club as the basic needs, so up till the safety, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. more or less can be covered by money itself. So as long as money is in place, I can get all of that. So if I I need security, I have a roof on my head and I'm safe kind of thing. Why can't money be the sole motivation for anything with your job or 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 your life?
2: Yeah. Yeah, probably a question that psychologists have been trying to answer for the last 80 years or so. Um, you know, the relationship between uh, compensation, money, uh, performance, motivation is quite complex. Uh, one one thing that has been found over and over by researchers is that money is not the main motivator.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or I, let me put it like that. Money is not the sole motivator. Uh and and again, when we talk about motivation, uh, what are we saying? We're saying um, people's very focused ability to work towards a certain goal, uh, put in hard work, uh, continue striving towards that even when there are obstacles. Yeah. These are all the elements of motivation. Uh, so why do we do that? And, and what, when are the times that we are able to do that to our best ability? Um, it's not only when we are um, rewarded with money. That's what research has found mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, by by saying that the relationship, but it's quite complex. It's that the uh, importance of money in the rank of what matters to me, for me to work in a motivated way uh, that seems to shift uh, depending on the situation as well as personal characteristics.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So individual personalities, individual characteristics in determine how important money is or what money money means to me, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as the situation. I mean, if I take an example of uh, what we're going through currently with this pandemic, uh, when people might be facing pay cuts or um, maybe even losing their job or at least uh, in fear of losing their job
1: Mm -hmm.
2: in these kind of situations and research has found over the last 40-50 years in similar times, when there is some threat to my standard of living or my job security, then the ranking of or the importance of money as a motivator does go up. Mm-hmm. But it's not the sole motivator. So um, far more important uh, are intrinsic motivation factors. and That's what is a consensus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be many different things. Again, uh, one size doesn't fit all. So it could be uh, interesting work, meaningful work you and i shared a little bit about uh, you know what drives us and what yeah. we discovered about our own motivators uh, so interesting meaningful work is definitely an important one appreciation mm-hmm. uh, for for some people that's that's a key motivator um growth just my general growth learning or my growth in the organization uh, these are some of the core uh, motivators that that have been found to be very important
0: mm-hmm. so I, I do know that that, that there's this uh, theory with uh, with Dan Pink right so the drive yeah. factor yeah and yeah. Uh, the way he puts it is if you take the subject of money off the table as as in you yeah. pay your people just uh, at least enough so that they are not thinking about money anymore exactly. and then everything is pure uh, creativity if, if you want to put it that way so it It then depends Mm. on the purpose, the mastery, and the autonomy that individuals have. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be very honest, I I have seen a lot of organizations uh, moving towards this route of purpose, at least.
2: Mm. Um, Mm. Even
0: with Simon Sinek's work of uh, Start With Why and the Golden Circle and everything that came up, there were loads of organizations that adopted it. And the Mm. purpose of why for organizations have more or less become clear. Yeah. The individuals, however, may not be in the same space, right? So how do individuals find their own why or their own purpose? Is that something that's equally important for them to like, be motivated for themselves? Or is it just enough if they have it for the organization?
2: I think the two are related because, I mean, when the organization identifies its why, mm-hmm. uh, there are people who are attracted to the organization because it somehow resonates for them. Mm. You, you know, in your own company where, you know, the culture of the organization is so important and you find a, a connect between uh, new joinees and and what uh, is their why, mm. um, people are able to be influenced by that. Um, I think an organization knowing its why is important, but an organization knowing its individual's why is, is also very critical when we start beginning to understand uh, what an organization needs to do. Uh, mm-hmm. To motivate its workforce, right? So help helping people uh, identify what that purpose is for them,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and being able to understand it. Even if individuals know it, does the organization has uh, the organization tried to understand that?
0: So the organization helping the individuals to identify their why. Uh, so since we are discussing about the the purpose, and we say that money is not the not the sole motivator. But then how do organizations identify the whys of individuals, something that motivates them? How how does that work out?
2: Yeah, Uh, I think for organizations, it's really critical for them to be able to recognize that, uh, like I said earlier, one size doesn't fit all. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Even if we begin to recognize that money is not the main motivator. And I think most organizations do understand that now, which is uh, the shift that we've had over the last. 80, 90 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, an organization needs to recognize that individuals are so unique in what drives them mm-hmm. uh, that they need to devise ways to be able to identify that. You know, mm-hmm. It can be simple things like uh, running an organizational survey or mm-hmm. having focus groups uh, to get to the heart of what do our people value. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, we, we would find themes in that. And we've run a lot of these kind of exercises when we do uh, engagement surveys or value propositions for companies. Uh, what do our people value? Uh, and what are some of the core themes coming out there?
1: Hmm. And
2: those give us clues to understand that this is the kind of environment that we need to create to have a motivated workforce. Right. But, but for, you know, whether you are leading a team or you're a manager or even as an organization, uh, what motivates me? Uh, I cannot assume that the same thing motivates you.
1: Motivates someone else.
2: True. Yeah.
0: So the the other two aspects of of drive also talks about the autonomy and mastery, and mm. and especially with mastery. So I, I've had this example for quite some time in my head. Uh,
1: mm.
0: We always say that that people want to grow. However, I have met a few individuals at least in the past, and. Mm. When we have spoken about things that, what do you want to do next? Or what do you want to learn new? Or or something from that aspect. Mm. A common answer has been, uh, I think I'll just live with whatever I know as of now. Uh, Mm. And that's that's good enough for me. I'll come, I'll do my job and I'll go back home. Mm. So the thing that I sometimes fail to understand is, Mm. is that an aversion to mastery? or is that a motivation to actually not do something and how does that relate to cuz this this for mm. me seems like a state of nirvana and self satisfaction like i am good with where i am and uh, i don't need any more growth or mastery and yeah if you if you are there it's it's really good for you but it doesn't really fit very well in my head how does that work
2: yeah yeah that's a really interesting question uh and i think again it's a question of uh uh defining mastery differently Mm -hmm. Each individual possibly defines mastery differently. So maybe for you, uh, you are uh, thinking mastery is uh, maybe at your craft or learning uh, or in some way putting in that effort to know more. And then when Mm -hmm. you see someone who says, well, I'm okay with what I know and I'm happy to just do my job adequately and head home. We don't know what they're heading home to and what they're driven by there Mm -hmm. and what mastery they're developing in in a different area. So it may not be knowledge or it may not be uh, being a master of my craft.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and again, and again, this is insight that the same thing that motivates one individual need not motivate the other. Uh, it's it's like the example I used to give when uh, you know, I worked with young students at the initial start of my career as a counselor. And I would hear, uh, you know, a parent or a teacher saying, this child is just not motivated,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know. And I would always think that I, and in fact share with them that nobody lacks motivation. It's just that they're motivated for something different. Right. Uh, so, so this child is not studying but he's spending hours playing his drums or he's spending hours reading Harry Potter. He's motivated is or she's enough. motivated. You know, she's motivated for something different.
0: You're going to make so many Harry Potter fans happy with that statement. You know <laughs> I, I know like six yeah. of them right now. So actually, so one of them uh, is a good friend of mine now, uh, Ved. He he works Mm. with me
1: Mm.
0: and uh, I can kind of relate to what you're saying because he is an, well, uh, because of the pandemic, I have not been able to eat his food yet, but he's like this master chef. So every weekend he would cook something in the way how Mm. they'll present it in restaurants and five star hotels. And he puts it up on Facebook and everything. And it really looks amazing. But yeah, I can relate to you that maybe their motivation is is different. Uh, by the mm-hmm. way, if you're listening to this, I'm not saying that you're bad at your job. I'm just saying that you are motivated by <laughs> being a chef as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I can relate to that. But so there was a friend of mine in my previous organization. <clears throat> and he mm-hmm. once sent me uh, uh, like a uh, an image on WhatsApp, which I still mm-hmm. use nowadays for for certain occasions. So it has a a chimp who's uh, resting and the tagline says, chilling, the art of doing nothing without getting bored. And that's, can that be motivation as well? Yeah, I I know it's a a very weird question. I'm I'm not looking for an answer, but I'm just saying that. I do use that that image nowadays quite a lot for many people. Because actually with the pandemic, I have observed that people have started working a lot more. Mm
1: -hmm. Because,
0: You're always there in front of your monitors and you start mm. off at 10 or something and then you just continue sitting there until mm. i don't know six seven something but yeah i've I've tried to start pushing people to not work so much but yeah i, I can relate your point with, with the mastery aspect uh regarding the third one which is the autonomy
1: mm-hmm
0: this one especially i have found it to be slightly uh, uh, difficult to bring in to teams uh, mm-hmm. and especially if if i'm working with certain leaders or managers who have the sense of losing power so when we speak about mm-hmm. having a self organized or a self managed team and yeah. provide the people in the team autonomy to do their work by themselves as decide how they want to create something when uh, the goal mm. is presented to them.
1: Mm.
0: There are times when individuals find it difficult to let go of the control.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, what I would like to understand from you is when you coach uh, executives or people in, in companies and you come across this kind of a situation, how how mm. do you work around it? How do you make them understand the importance of autonomy and self-organization?
2: Yeah. Um Again, really relevant and and like you were sharing that with uh, the research that Dan Pink put out in his book Drive, uh, being able to uh, recognize the importance of uh, purpose, being able to uh, recognize the importance of mastery and now autonomy uh, are really critical in in understanding that money is not the main motivator. Mm -hmm. Uh, But autonomy uh, also has many layers to being able to use it effectively. As a as a manager, let's say I understand that uh, autonomy would uh, motivate the team that uh, I'm giving that empowerment to. There have to be some things in place before that
1: works.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so so what's also important to understand is that um, I, I'll I'll list three things that I think are critical for autonomy to work well. Mm-hmm. One is for the individual who's being given that autonomy. Um, to recognize the relevance or importance of that task or goal. Mm-hmm. So so when I'm coaching, uh, let's say, managers to build more autonomy in their team, um, it's important that they are setting the context, giving the team the big picture, helping people see the relevance of their work. Uh, so setting that context is, is especially important. The second is uh, a sense of self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know and I relate this to uh, the, you know this is foundations in goal setting theory just setting a goal and saying go ahead and do it uh, and you have the full freedom to figure out how you're going to achieve it is not mm. sufficient
1: right.
2: uh, does the person have a belief self-efficacy is a belief that yes I can do it
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know um, uh, and again here's this intricate relationship between motivation and performance it's right. not as straightforward if I'm highly motivated doesn't mean it will translate into excellent performance Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have the skills for it? Right. So the second thing that, that again, uh, uh, leaders often recognize or team leads recognize that uh, that's my the, the person that I'm giving autonomy to believe that they have the necessary skills and they can do it. Have mm-hmm. I created that sense of self-efficacy or have I equipped them with the skills? Do they need more training? You know, is that in place? Uh, right. And the third most critical thing is uh, regular feedback. Absolutely. So... Again, autonomy is not letting go and saying, well, come to me when it's over and then you know I'll tell you whether you were on the right track or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people to be able to really thrive when they are empowered, they also need regular feedback. Am I on mm-hmm. the right track? Is this going well? Does uh, something need to change?
0: Right. Yeah, so, so in the last episode, we did discuss about the OKR and CFR combination. And that pretty much talks yeah. about the same thing. Like You have a goal set, yeah. but then you have this uh, continuous uh, performance uh, management that has to happen, which comes with right. uh, regular feedback and doing the pulse check and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I agree Absolutely. with that. Okay,
0: But yeah, I mean, so if money is not the motivator or if money is off the table, then we have the purpose, we have the uh, mastery, and we have the autonomy. Uh yeah. Can we then safely say that if these three things are provided, mm-hmm. then the the top two big sections of uh, Maslow's hierarchy gets fulfilled? So uh, the psychological needs and the self actualization will that get fulfilled if these three things get managed somehow?
2: Yes, I I, I think they they are. Uh, you can definitely map them to Maslow's pyramid. And these are in that area of uh, esteem, whether it is esteem from others or it is self-esteem. Um, when I'm able to fulfill the sense of purpose, mastery, and I have the autonomy to achieve it, um, it would it would match with that and self-actualization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as a rider again, I would say that it's important for the organizations to recognize that what is purpose and what is a sense of mastery can be. Very, very unique to each individual.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. So, I think it's a good time to take a break on that. When we let organizations sure. to think about that a little bit of how they can help their people uh, gain mastery and provide autonomy. Uh, but when we return, we discuss about uh, desire profiles and see how that works out with motivations.
2: Okay. Look cool. forward. <music>
0: Here's a glimpse for you into the next episode. Since we just discussed autonomy and self-organization, on 19th of July, I'll be talking to Sunil Mundra, the author of the book, Enterprise Agility. And we'll be discussing the essence of agile organizations and their role in spreading joy for its people. So don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. And if you have any questions that you would like me to ask Sunil, then become a learner patron on patreon.com slash enterprisejoy. Okay, welcome back. With me, Priya Kher, And this is the last segment of motivating your workforce. And before we get into the details, I do want to speak about a a couple of topics, uh, Priya. And uh, so I did read about this, uh, the principle of pleasure. Uh, a few weeks back and mm-hmm. it, it kind of talks about uh why people like the, the ways people feel happy about certain things
2: as in to give you an mm-hmm.
0: example uh, there are people who uh, who like happy endings in movies over sad endings even if the happy endings are like completely unrealistic for some reason and then optimism triumphs over pessimism and that positivity that comes in uh, that creates some kind of a desire profile. So everyone has this desire profile and there are like 16 types as Stephen Reese puts it. Uh, But based on this desire profile, you come up with some way of feeling happy. And that's like your principle of pleasure, if you want to put it. And Mm -hmm. I actually wanted to share one of the stories with you and then get your views about it. So it happened, uh, and not very recently, but uh, let's say a few years back. And uh, the way the story goes is, so I was working in this team. Uh, I was a B at the time. And uh, I had uh, a tech lead and uh, who the two of us were responsible for work uh, of managing the work in the project.
1: Okay. And
0: uh, we got this new person in the team. And for some reason, the there was a lot of conflict between uh, these two people in the team with Mm. the way of working, uh, with certain uh, outcomes that were desired by both the people. And I kind of Mm. saw a few things that did happen. For example, during meetings, I would see that this person, uh, if they would put forth a point, but for some reason Mm. the point got challenged, which is fine because you're having a team conflict and you're brainstorming. But if the point got challenged, Mm. Then this person would take take a step back, go into their cocoon, and not not really follow on with with whatever they wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And the conflicts even went to a point where uh, there were things raised about issues with certain things, uh, whether things are happening the way they wanted or not, and stuff like that. And it really did not affect me uh, so much because I was still an outsider in that conflict. And Mm -hmm. the way I would work with both of these people were still pretty good. So I had good working relationships with both of them. Uh, But yeah, the two of them didn't get along. Uh, But then after a few months, things kind of changed. And the change basically came out of movement. So this person who uh, who had all of this feedback about having issues We kind of Mm. uh, took a a long shot and we said, okay, we need a new lead. Why don't you take up the lead? And then I moved out of the project. I went to another project and someone else replaced Mm. me. And then there were these Mm. two people who's the new BA and the new lead and they came into the project. Mm. But then they started running the project. And they started providing results. And the results were really, really amazing. When they were able to achieve certain things, which I struggled yeah. to achieve in like the two years that, or one and a half years that I was in that project, and to an extent where I could now see this individual who was yeah. really happy with the job, and this individual was all of that thing where people went into a when uh, uh, they went into a cocoon when they're uh, points for challenges, stuff like that, all of that went away. I could see this new sense of motivation where they were achieving goals, achieving results, managing the team well, uh, taking care of people in the team. All of that happened. The client as well uh, gave a good feedback about them as to they have seen this thing change. And that got me thinking as to what might have changed in all of that. There are a few concepts that did come to my mind at that time. So one definitely was the the extreme ownership, uh, where Joko says that a leader can make a difference. Mm -hmm. So it depends on who your leader is. And if the leader is someone who can drive the team, then you will get good results, which I could Mm -hmm. clearly see. But then the other thing that I did kind of understand was that the desire profile did not really match earlier uh, in whatever way or whichever reason that might have been. But now the desire profile was pretty much aligned and it was so well aligned between the lead and the, the BA who came after me, is that they could work like, so, so the term that I learned at that time was the work spouse, okay? So they could work mm-hmm. like a work spouse team, and they could really mm-hmm. drive and get results that were really amazing. What do you think about what might have happened in this scenario?
2: That's, that's a really interesting example of how, uh, uh, I mean, it sort of reinforces what we talked about earlier that nobody lacks motivation.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, they
2: possibly just lack the right environment to meet the needs of what motivates them. Yeah. And you see the shift in the way they, you know, uh, change the way they work and the impact it's having. Mm-hmm. Um, work style is a really interesting term. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I I'm really curious about the origin of that because it's sort of, Uh, It gives you an idea uh, that uh, relationships between spouses are so complementary and run so smoothly, which (laughs) I'm wondering who came up with that. Um, But yeah, I I think it's a really interesting and and it's wonderful that it's working so well now. Um, Just being able to make a shift in what this person was getting out of their work. Uh, So when you're talking about desire profiles, that's one way of looking at it. Um mm-hmm. uh, what a lot of these we talked about uh Maslow uh you know we talked about uh even holland 's model uh they are they're sort of like the content theories of motivation mm-hmm. the the what, what drives me, what is it that I need um, to put in that intensity and uh that persistence in my effort mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, that's possibly what changed for this individual. Um, maybe they were in an environment where, uh, you know, their ideas were not being accepted Mm. or it was not fitting. I I mean, making some assumptions here. Maybe it didn't suit their personality to uh, stand up and challenge, um, you know, get into those challenging conversations to insist upon their view. So they took a step back, uh, which is perceived by others as they've gone back into their cocoon. But possibly in their mind thought that, you know, my idea is not valued over here or there's no point sharing it. Uh, and now you have put the same individual in a in in a situation where uh, they can influence,
1: mm-hmm.
2: they can share their ideas, uh, or even uh, drive the team with their ideas. Uh, they are heard, yeah. and so you see you see how a person can thrive if the environment uh, is conducive to meeting their needs.
0: Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's what
1: for it sounds me, like to me.
0: For me, it worked out in this situation because there was a change in the team. Mm. I wouldn't suggest organization to do that all the time. I mean, that that shouldn't be yeah. The, yeah. the way yeah. uh, to bring in motivation. Yeah. Yeah. But then yeah. still to say that that might still work. That may still be uh, one of the ways of uh, motivating someone to bring the results that they can
2: yeah but i think i think your story also highlights something that uh, again is really critical for us to remember both as uh, either people leading teams or as an entire organization
1: mm-hmm.
2: is to not make assumptions about what motivates an individual
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, not make assumptions that the same thing that motivates me motivates another individual right um, to to explore more or have avenues for people to be able to share what they value uh, mm-hmm. Whether it is in one-on-one conversations when you are leading a team or it is at an organizational level surveys to understand what you value. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's sort of a word of caution also the story to say that you, know, you you could have gone with that assumption of this person is not very effective.
1: Yeah.
2: If you hadn't had this switch, you wouldn't have seen uh, the transformation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so it's also sort of a tale of caution to say uh, have we explored and asked enough to be really clear in what do you value and then are we helping create that environment that meets those needs.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think at some level this also goes down to, we kind of trusted the individual anyway. I mean, we trusted if this individual is in the organization and we have seen something Mm -hmm. in them because of which they are in the organization. That, yeah, maybe the situation is not right, and it can change. And I think that was the right. the long shot that we took, and it, yeah, it turned yeah. out to be great. Yeah, so, yeah trust, so, maybe a little bit of experimentation. I don't know,
2: but yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And the, and the trust was well founded. So it could be a sense of achievement. It could be autonomy. That are some of the key motivators for this individual.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
2: you help create that environment. When you see the impact, when when we are in that. Uh, you know in a in a work situation that meets our needs, how we are all capable of thriving
1: yeah, cool,
0: okay, so we have kind of uh, reached the end of our show, uh, but before we go, I would like to know a little bit of your parting thoughts for organizations. What will be your key message for organizations as to what can they do in order to motivate their workforce or create this amazing team that can do wonders what will your take on this be
2: uh I, th- I think some of the things that you have shared during this podcast are really uh reminders for organizations that one money is not the sole motivator mm-hmm. just uh you know that carrot stick approach that used to be okay in the 1940s or even 50s um mm-hmm. is is not what uh, drives individuals it's a good reminder for managers, leads, leads to recognize that. Um, so money not being the main motivator, what is it that, that then does uh, uh, create that sense? And again, I want to repeat, you know, when we're talking about motivation, it is uh, our ability to work in a uh, you know, goal-directed way, but two key important factors for motivation, for us to check the boxes and say, yes, that's motivation, is intensity and persistence so how mm-hmm. hard we work towards that goal and how uh, you know we don't give up even in the face of challenges towards that goal mm-hmm. uh, so for organizations to begin to recognize that what is it that um, motivates individuals can be quite uh, personal can be um, dependent on both the individual as well as the situation so how do we to the best of our ability understand that what
1: mm-hmm.
2: Or, or in Simon's, uh, cynic's way, uh, the why. The why. Ha, ha, have we made assumptions or have we really explored and asked? And mm-hmm. if we, um, if we can hit the nail on the head and identify maybe a few key factors that are common amongst our workforce, mm-hmm. uh, of what is valued, then how do we go about building that environment, uh, meeting those needs so that we can have that, uh, driven, motivated workforce?
1: Oh, wow. amazing.
0: Okay, with that, thank you very much for being here. Uh, to be very honest, every time I speak with you, I learn something new. My key takeaway for this one was for sure the mastery point that we discussed. Uh, very honestly, yeah, maybe the mastery just lies elsewhere, but it, it for sure lies somewhere. Yeah, that. I think every time I speak, I will learn something new uh, anyway. So thank you very much for being a part of this episode. It was really, really nice having you. Thanks a
2: lot. Thank you. Thank you so much Vishal for having me. And I want to share from my side that, you know, the learning is two way. Um, One, your blog, your post on LinkedIn several weeks ago for me uh, was what I shared earlier. My source of motivation comes from knowing that something made a difference. Uh, And the other is just, Having this conversation with you, uh, some of the really uh, insightful questions you had, or uh, you know, some interesting take on things you had, uh, gave me food for thought. Too. So, I think I, I learned a little bit more about things that I might be very familiar with, but just in the way you asked the question, it helps me too. So, so we learn. I learn from you too. To relearn. Yes. Yes.
0: Cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks and so you much stay for safe. this that was Priya Khair, and every time I speak with her, there's always something new to learn. Hope this episode was just as educational for you as it was for me. For more of Enterprise Joy, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and on YouTube so you don't miss any episode. Patrons on patreon.com slash enterprisejoy get some exclusive benefits, so do check out what we have to offer. The details of our upcoming episodes can be found on our website, enterprisejoy.com. And you can send your feedback and comments to vishal at enterprisejoy.com so our podcast can continuously improve. So until next time, thank you for listening to this podcast. Take care and stay safe.